0: Hey there, podcast listener. I just wanted you to know that the John Sperry Podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs, news, business, and self-development. Every month, members get one credit to pick any title, plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection and access to daily news digests like the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post, as well as guided meditation programs. With your Audible membership, you can download titles and listen offline anytime and anywhere. Download the free app onto smartphones, both Apple and Android. Listen across devices without losing your spot. If you can't decide what to listen to, don't worry. You can keep your credits for up to a year and use them to binge on a whole series if you'd like. I've been using Audible for about a decade now, and I couldn't be more satisfied. I love Audible. I've listened to audiobooks, dramas, podcasts. To get started with a one-month free trial, go to audibletrial.com slash jdspodcast. That's audibletrial.com slash jdspodcast. That gets you one month free, which includes a free book credit, two free Audible originals, and access to their massive library of resources. One more time, audibletrial.com slash JDS podcast to get started with Audible with that free month. Welcome back, listeners. Thanks for coming back and joining us. Today, I have a special treat for you. We're into this section of LAMP that is kind of like a new exposition, okay? I'm I'm reintroducing reintroducing Earth, I'm reintroducing old characters, and I don't want to babble on about a lot of this, so I am just going to give you a very special treat this time. You're going to get four chapters today. They're all kind of short, but I'm going to give you four chapters. I'm not going to give you any feedback on these chapters. We'll discuss some of that later because this all ties in to the rest of the book. So today, don't expect me to come on afterward and give you a whole bunch of explanation. Just enjoy these four chapters for what they are as Ladin heads back to Earth. Chapter 22 Chapter 22 Kimber stared at a data screen while the serving staff laid out a wide variety of breakfast foods from all over the galaxy. Lydon watched surreptitiously as she read his galactic union credentials. Though the lamp had only created them the night before, they were as real and valid as any in the galaxy. It was already established that he was the crowned prince Alan Tesla Abazra III of the Shinda province of Tremula Major, a planet with thousands of wealthy families considered royals because of their stake in its neighboring Tremula Minor. Tremula Minor is a small, unpopulated planet closest to the Tremula star. The planet had an overabundance of renewable energy crystals called Titanite. While Titanite is not unique to Tremula Minor, it exists on hundreds of planets in the galaxy, it doesn't reproduce anywhere as it does on Tremula Minor. In fact, it mutated and reproduced at the staggering rate of roughly 1 one-hundredth the time it would take on any other planet. That made it incredibly valuable. Tremulon scientists concluded that its exposure to mutating radiation given off by the planet's core was the cause of the rapid regrowth. Unfortunately, the effect was so potent that people could not live there. Mining of Tremulon titanite was done by machine and shipped via cargo shuttle not only back to Tremula Major, but to any planet that might order a shipment. Since all it took to be a Tremulon royal was a stake in the industry, it was easy for the lamp to establish such an identity for Ladin. Within the documents Kimber read, she was no doubt discovering that Ladin was a recent addition to the Galactic Union Trade Committee as the senator in charge of trade oversight, which was an obvious choice for the committee due to Tremula's shipping expertise. Though he had never once set foot in any of the GU headquarters throughout its boundaries, Kimber was being led to believe that Ladin had pull when it came to trade agreements. It was the unique attribute Ladin was certain might sell her on the deal, and it would be precisely what her father would be looking for. Kimber set the mod down and completely ignored the delectable spread in front of her. What do you think? Ladin asked from behind his breather mask in his best caramenon with a tremulon accent. I think you brought me here for nothing, Kimber replied, finally stabbing a piece of fruit with a fork and putting it in her mouth. Why do you say that? Ladin asked. Kimber finished her bite, then dabbed her lips with the cloth napkin next to her plate. Because you're a fraud, she said. I could have rejected you last night, and we could have avoided all this. Ladin fought to hide his shock at her accusation, which didn't matter because his mask covered enough of his face that she couldn't see his expression anyway. Methodically, Ladin poured himself a cup of Meruvian green coffee. Why do you say that? He asked again, his eyes focusing on the dark green, almost brown liquid that filled his cup. Kimber tossed her fork onto the table and leaned in toward Ladin. Because when I looked you up last night, you weren't part of any committees in the Union Senate. Actually... "'I couldn't find you anywhere except for here on Karamina.' She stood up and threw her napkin down. "'Please don't insult my intelligence and think that buying a spot on the Union Senate is going to impress me enough to take you back to Earth. I assure you, what my father needs is a ruthless businessman to—' "'You mean a gangster,' Ladin said, pounding an unexpected fist on the table. "'If that's what you want to call him, yes. "'Monrovian has the money and the resources to make this happen for us,' Kimber said with painful conviction. She was selling a pitch. It was obvious now that she was just doing her father's bidding. Ladin dropped backward into his chair. I can get you away from there, Ladin said, his words surprising even himself. But not more than they surprised Kimber. Her eyes slowly focused on Ladin's, her expression changing as though her most private thoughts had been accessed. She didn't say anything. She didn't need to say anything. That was the opening Ladin was hoping for. He stood up, his eyes intent on the beautiful girl—woman—in front of him and she looked curiously back. "'I can get you away from him forever,' he said, his heart beating fast. He hadn't expected such brashness from himself. "'Why would you think that's what I want?' Kimber asked with a new hint of guarded curiosity. "'Why do you think I want to get away from my father or my planet?' "'Because you're not happy,' Laden said with no basis at all for the statement, except for what he saw two years prior in the abusive slap across her face that had stuck in his mind like an animal in a trap." Kimber's eyes filled with crystalline tears, and Laddin was certain his gamble had paid off. "'Come with me,' he said, pressing the issue just a little. Then her face turned red and angry. "'You know nothing about me,' she barked, and Laddin swallowed his tongue. "'You don't know me, and you don't know my father,' she said as she wiped the tears from her eyes before they could escape to the open air. She walked over to the wooden rack by the dining room door and grabbed her shawl and other effects. "'I'm sorry, but I must reject your offer,' she said. I'll submit it without claim. You can keep your bid. She pulled open the four meter tall door. Jocko stood on the other side holding a datamod, his face flying upward with surprise to see Kimber in such a distressed state. Is this the way out? she asked. Um yes, madam. Uh he looked past her at Ladin's blank expression. I'll uh show you out, he said, as he looked one more time at his boss, whose expression hadn't changed. Ladin fell back into his chair, unblinking. He hadn't the slightest idea where his plan had started to go wrong, but it was obvious it had. He sat in silence until Jocko returned and closed the doors behind him. "'What happened?' he asked. "'I don't know,' Ladin said, then slowly rose from his seat and walked past Jocko toward his bedroom." Zade sat directly across from Ladin two days after Kimber's departure. On the large screen behind her was a news bulletin, frozen just as Ladin had stopped it, on the image of Kimber and Monrovian announcing their engagement and the union between his mob-like republic and that of the Malik Kingdom, bringing Earth back into the good graces of the Galactic Union. Zade knew there was nothing she could say to him. Her neural processors had calculated the 17 most likely responses based on the evolution of Ladin's maturity mixed with the most private moments of tension she had shared with him. Only one was singled out as being overly optimistic, but it's probably calculated out at less than 1%. She opted for silence. I wasn't wrong about her, Laddin said as he extinguished the data mod in his hands and dropped it on the jutting desktop under the data screen on the wall of the den. She didn't choose for herself. She was under pressure to do it. He threatened her, maybe even with her life. Ladin, he wouldn't kill his own daughter. His mistakes are his own. Even Haslan Malik knows when he's wrong, Zade replied, but Ladin wasn't so sure. He slapped her, Zade, casually. It was like she was a disobedient dog. He just backhanded her. No, he forced this marriage on her. But there's nothing you can do about it. You have to move on. Perhaps Gisela will still entertain your offer. She was bit on. And she accepted it, Ladin said dejectedly. She seemed pretty happy about it, too, from what I saw in the daily report. Zade didn't respond. It's not over with Kimber, Ladin said as he walked over to his concealed safe. Ladin, stop, Zade called out. The lamp won't help you. It can't make her fall in love with you. I know, but I have to do something. There's still time. It is customary to wait a year before any agreements are finalized. She won't marry him for at least a year. He reached into the safe and drew out the lamp. That means she'll be in the custody of her father and Monrovian will be nowhere near the earth system. He looked at Zade with an expression of determination and naivete that showed that, despite his wealth and position, he was still just a boy. I have one year to steal her away. What exactly do you plan to do? Zade asked with an air of concession. Let me at least try to help you. Ladin closed the safe. "'I'm going to invest in Haslan Malik and my home planet. "'I'm going to become his partner,' Ladin said, and Zadeh's jaw dropped. "'And she shook her head, the logic center of her neural web coming up empty. "'Why would you risk being found out? "'Why would you go back to a man who wants you dead? "'You would do this all for a girl you barely know?' "'Yes,' Ladin reacted forcefully. "'I would do it all for her.' "'He walked over to his chair and sat down. "'But you don't even know her, Laden.' You haven't seen her in more than two years. What if she's not what you want? What happens if you realize she's not who you thought she was? Then what? You're risking everything for something she might not even want. Ladin could see that Zade was getting worked up. It was her positronic brain's way of coping with an incalculable situation. Like any human, she was getting frustrated. Besides, Zade continued, she rejected you. Ladin suddenly froze, Zade's words cutting him to the quick. First of all, she didn't reject me. She had no idea who I was. Second, she's the only person alive that I think about. I don't know what happened to me that day. I don't know what she did to me, but it was irreversible. The way she talked to me, looked at me, her kiss. Lydon stared into space for a moment. I need her, Zade. I can't explain it. I wish I could, but I don't think I will ever be happy without her. Is that all right with you? Zade sighed. It's infatuation, Ladin. There are many explanations as to why you feel this way. It was a stressful situation and she imprinted on you as a savior. She was your only friend in a time of danger, a light in a sea of darkness. She was an ally when you were surrounded by enemies. It's all very typical human response. And maybe I'm wrong. But whatever it is, your separation from her has only increased your desire for her because she is an unattainable dream to you. You've elevated her higher than she deserves. Laden clenched his jaw. Sometimes he hated just how perfectly logical Zade was. He scoffed as he jumped out of his seat and left the room with the lamp in his hand. "'Jocko!' he called. "'We're moving!' Six months later. Chapter Twenty Three. Ladin stood on the top floor of Hazlan Malik's palace for the second time in his life and looked out over the city of his birth. Bag City was a ghost town compared to the bustling, though miserable, metropolis it had been just two years before. The dying lithium industry had killed the city and was on its way to killing the planet. A new wall had been constructed to the east, a wall designed to keep out the clans and their technology. Malik had destroyed every relationship he had with any of Earth's governments except for his established relationships with the Afrikanes. Humanity's home was a wasteland, and anyone who could get off had. The lack of Telluride presence was strangely disturbing. The bubble that enclosed the port was gone. The familiar flare of sublight engines launching ships into space was completely absent. It was eerie. A pneumatic hiss broke the silence of the waiting room, followed by the booming sound of Hazlan Malik's voice a voice that shot a shiver throughout Ladin's nervous system. Mr. Budzra," Malik said exuberantly as he came into the waiting room. It's a pleasure to finally meet you. He reached out a hand and Ladin took it with trepidation and hate for the loss of his grandfather. Mr. Malik, Ladin said, gripping firmly to the hand of his enemy. May I introduce my consul, Ladin said, indicating to Jocko. Malik nodded. And might I congratulate you on your reinduction into the Union? Lydon wasn't sure just how tender the nerve was, but he struck it anyway. Malik stared down the comment. Sometimes a man makes mistakes, he responded with a visceral smirk. But we've righted the ship and are looking to the future. Lydon knew the truth, that Malik had done nothing to bring Earth back into the Union, that Kimber's agreement to marry Monrovian was the real impetus for the Union's decision. "'I must say that in some ways we in the Galactic Union owe you a debt of gratitude,' Ladin said, smirking beneath his mask. "'How do you mean?' Malik questioned. "'Without your brashness in closing your borders, we might never have seen the end of Telluride dominance.' It was a comment Lydon had saved for months. Its design was meant to touch on Malik's sensitivity in losing the lamp, and it worked exactly the way he'd hoped. Malak glared and didn't say anything." ''Well, I certainly hope we may conceive a deal uh, for your lithium,'' Ladin quickly stated, changing the subject in a very businesslike tone. Feeling confident, he had ruffled Malick's feathers just enough. ''Well, I certainly hope we may conceive a deal uh, for your lithium.'' ''Some things will need to be worked out, but I think we may come to some agreement,'' Malick replied with a forced grin. ''Shall we?'' He said as he gestured toward his office. ''Allow me to introduce my primary advisor, Vizier.'' Laddin threw his mask at the bulkhead of his temporary home on board his FTL ship docked in the shipyards of Bag City Port. Faster-than-light technology was brought to the Earth system by the Tellarides, a gift courtesy of the lamp, no doubt. "'I thought it was over him,' Ladin said as Jocko picked up the mask. "'I hate him, Jocko, I hate him. But you are not here for him, sir. You are here for her. And the sooner you get on with that, the sooner we can leave this hideous place.'" "'Ladin walked the maze of corridors toward his quarters. "'For FTLs, his was rather mild in its amenities and decor, "'not like the elaborate flying palaces "'of many other royal forms of interstellar transport. "'Zare joined Laden and Jocko "'as she came from the ship's command center. "'Well,' she asked with an expectant expression on her face "'as she followed close to Jocko. "'She was against the plan from the beginning, "'but, but she assured Laden that she would help him "'so long as it didn't involve breaking the law.' I still hate him, Ladin said. That must be a surprising revelation. His tone had become snarky and sarcastic with Zade in the room. But you're not here for him, Zade reinforced. We're here to get Kimber out and that's all. No secondary agendas, no vendettas. You both seem to think I don't know that, Ladin said forcefully as the door to his quarters slid open. I wish I could go through this without him being a part of it. Would you rather try to steal her away from Monrovian, Jocko interjected. At least with Malik, you know what to expect. Ladin didn't say anything, though he heartily agreed. He went to his closet and started rifling through articles of clothing. Jocko and Zade watched him for a moment. What are you looking for? Zade asked. Ladin emerged with a dark gray suit in his hand. He's throwing a party for me tonight, and she's going to be there. Are we all expected to go? Jocko asked with an apprehensive grimace. Only you and I, Jocko. Ladin replied, ignoring his manager's newfound dislike for Earth. "'I'd better find something to wear, then,' Jocko replied mournfully. "Zade, I need you to do me a favor,' Ladin said without making eye contact. "'All right,' Zade indulged cautiously. "'I want to know everything there is to know about what happened to the Tellarides and where Malik stands with the Easterners.' "'Ladin, you said this wouldn't be about him,' Zade cautioned. "'I'm just curious,' Ladin lied." If I can't do anything to him, I want to know how others have, that's all. Not to mention, I need to at least make it look like I'm trying to establish some sort of trade agreement with him. The lie was convincing, but if Zade had half the intellect built into her positronic web that Ladin knew was there, she wouldn't buy it for a second. She looked at Ladin through narrowed eyes, then obliged him. All right, she said. It seems harmless enough. Ladin knew she hadn't bought it but he also knew that her positronic brain had learned a long time ago what friendship was. Oh, and Zare, can you tell Jocko to prep the rug? I'll be taking it tonight. Lydon flew into palace airspace just as the sun was setting. He was instructed to land his rapid ultralight glider in Malik's personal hangar. The rug was a craft invented by the Karaminans for quick transport across their planet. It was impractical for commuting, but it was a sign of extravagance and wealth. Ladin used it as a means of selling his identity, but also, it was really fun. The palace ballroom was nothing compared to that of the Karameenan Arena, but it was as elegant and as flamboyant as Malik could afford. The sacrifice was not lost on Ladin, though he couldn't really have cared less. Ladin spotted Malik the second he entered the high-ceilinged extravaganza. Among the dozens, if not hundreds of people already in attendance, Malik stood the tallest and most imposing. Ladin wanted to charge up to him and level him with a blow to the face, but his heart persuaded him otherwise when he saw Kimber standing right next to him. She was stunningly dressed in an icy blue satin ball gown draped with a sheer robe of the same color. Her burgundy hair pulled back into an elaborate braid, glistened with a galaxy of jewels reflecting the lights above. Lydon's whole essence tingled with nerves and desire as his heart flipped as he felt a new, overwhelming urge to charge up to her, grab her, and take her away in the FTL. He wanted to reveal himself to her, let her know that he was there for her and that he wasn't an alien stranger that she abhorred. But he knew he couldn't. Uh, Mr. Basra, Malik said loudly as he approached. Kimber followed close behind him. Her eyes widened in what could only have been surprise upon seeing Laddin in his xenon breathing mask. It seemed she hadn't expected him. It was odd. I'd like to introduce my daughter, Kimber, Malik said casually, if not carelessly, as he gestured to her. Yes, we've met, Ladin replied, his focus fixed on Kimber, his mouth working of its own volition. My lady, he said and offered his hand to her. Malik's expression seemed to contort in confusion for a moment as Kimber took Laddin's hand reproachfully. Mr. Basra, she replied. Laddin bowed. Malik grinned as he grabbed a tall flute of bubbling liquid from a tray passing by them in the hands of an android servant. An awkward pause accompanied the introductions as Malik sipped. Ladin's heart was pounding. I'm curious, Basra. When did you meet my daughter? Ladin looked at Kimber, whose eyes suddenly shot wide. It was the peace accord with the Union Senate, Kimber suddenly interjected with pleading eyes at Ladin, and Ladin nodded. Uh, yes, the accord between the Union and Earth, he surmised aloud, and Kimber sighed with obvious relief. Kasim suddenly appeared out of nowhere by Malik's side. He glanced at Ladin with a similar surprise as Kimber, then whispered something into Malik's ear. I'm sorry, Malik suddenly said as he placed his drinking flute on a nearby table. You'll have to excuse me, but I have some business that requires my attention. Please, Mingle. Kimber can introduce you around. Kimber glared at her father as he followed Kasim toward the exit. When Ladin looked back, Kimber's eyes were on him. I'm sorry about that, she said distractedly. He doesn't know about the parade because he uh, doesn't know what it actually took for me to get Earth back into the Union. I'd appreciate you keeping that to yourself, Mr. Basra. For a moment, she looked like the youthful girl she was, her pleading eyes, her slumped shoulders, her entire body all but begging Lydon not to tell her father. She was embarrassed, and Lydon felt terrible for her. Of course, he said in his fake accent, despite wanting to come out to her and take her away right then. Your wish is my command, he smiled, though she couldn't see it beneath the mask. Thank you, she said submissively. I'm sure you can figure out who's who without my help. Please don't be offended if I bid you goodnight. She said softly, then turned to leave, her dress following after her like a twirling drape, the sheer material wafting gently. It was elegant and alluring. Kimber, wait! Ladin blurted out before she could walk away. His tone was too familiar. He caught it just as she faced him again. Yes, she said heavily as if speaking with Ladin was the last thing in the world she wanted to do. Despite his helping her in her deception, she still didn't like him. I mean, Princess Kimber, Ladin corrected. I want to apologize for my behavior at the parade. It was presumptuous of me to bid, and, well, thank you, Kimber said with a hint of subtle disdain. But you must understand, Mr. Basra, that while I appreciate what you did for me just now with my father, I am already betrothed to Prince Monrovian. It is a necessary evil that must happen to bring Earth back into the Union, and no, my father has no idea, not yet. But he will. If your entire purpose for being here is out of the hope that I might change my mind, I'm sorry to disappoint you. The settlement has been signed. There's no backing out at this point. Ladin squeezed his fist at the mention of Monrovian and their agreement. He could feel the heat boiling inside him. No, no, that's not at all why I came here, he lied, trying to make himself look casual. It seems that very few people want to do business with Earth, but I see it as an opportunity for... Kimber cut him off with a wave of her hand. I don't care what your business is with my father. I appreciate the apology and your trust and assistance. Let's just leave it at that, she said, then looked for agreement from Ladin. Is there really no way we can be friends? In six months, it won't even matter, Kimber retorted, then turned around and walked away. Laden clenched his fists and contemplated breaking a table in half as he stifled a guttural growl. Looking around, he found Jocko was standing by the entrance, keeping a watchful eye on the party. "'Let's get out of here,' he said as he approached his manager. "'I'm sorry, sir, but you can't go yet. The party hasn't even started.' "'I don't care. We're leaving,' Laden huffed. Jocko grabbed his master around the elbow and pulled him back into the fray of people. "'You must introduce yourself around. You must build bridges with these people.' That is how you establish longevity in a place like this. I can't do this, Jocko, Ladin said. I have to tell her who I am. I have to let her know that I can get her out of here. It is not the time, sir, Jocko replied. Then when? She hates me, Jocko. Then why are you here if she hates you? No, I mean she hates Alan Basra. I can't continue the charade. Just being around Malik makes me want to kill him and feeling like I'll never be able to get near Kimber. Ladin grumbled something incoherent under his breath and said, It has to end. Then it must end tomorrow. Tonight, you must establish yourself as Alan Basra, the savior of Earth's trade lines to the galaxy and not just a hostile venture capitalist like Monrovian. Jocko was literally pulling Ladin back into the party like a parent would an unwilling child. Let me go, Jocko, Ladin demanded. No, Jocko said plainly. I'm afraid I have no choice if you want my continued loyalty. What are you talking about? Jocko pulled in closer to Ladin with an intense and quite serious look in his eyes. I'm afraid, sir, that you've gotten us into quite the royal mess with this obsession of yours. I beg your pardon, Ladin said indignantly. You brought us here so that you could win over that young lady's heart, and now you want to blow all of your cover, all of your months of preparation, because it got a little difficult? Ladin stared incredulously at Jocko. No, sir, you must go through with it. You must now do whatever it takes to win her as previously decided, as Alan Basra. Or you must die trying. Because if you reveal your true identity, you will have a galactic bounty on your head for the rest of your life, as will I, as will Zade. And that's only if Malik doesn't kill us all right here. Aladdin wasn't so lost in his fantasy not to see Jaco's point. This may have started as a quest for love, but it has become your obligation to meet and Zade to deliver us off this planet. If suddenly you don't think that Malik's princess will ever find favor with you as Basra, then establish a trade agreement with him for Lithium or Xenon or whatever blasted resource he can trade and get us the hell away from here. You have that power. Jocko's eyes were sincere and full of conviction as he backed away and steadied himself with a deep breath. I'm sorry for the lapse in cordiality, but those are my terms if you still desire my assistance. Lydon pulled away and straightened his jacket. He looked at his manager and friend with glaring, bloodshot eyes. There was a long silence between them as Ladin ultimately decided it was better that he chew up and swallow his pride before he choked on it and made a scene. Let's get this over with then, Ladin grumbled. Who's first? Ladin pulled the rug back into its hangar on board the FTL. The entire cockpit of the smaller craft was completely exposed to the air, A high-velocity energy screen was the only thing that protected riders from debris and other things flying at them at high speeds. The rug's flat construction and foldable wings made it easy to store. The exciting element of traveling in the glider was that it could travel four times faster than the average earthbound craft and was capable of flying higher than the outer atmosphere, though Ladin had never pushed it more than a few hundred meters into the sky. Jocko exited the vehicle and looked at Ladin, who stayed put in the driver's seat. Sir, I want to apologize for my behavior tonight. It was rather unseemly of me to... No, Jocko, don't apologize. You were right. I was wrong, Lydon said with a supplicating bowed head. I'm the one who should be apologizing. I saw it going differently. Jocko scratched the newly forming stubble on his cheek. I believe you're looking at this from the wrong perspective. Lydon shook his head tiredly. How do you mean? I believe you were under the distinct impression that Alan Basra is someone very different from you. When, in actuality, he is you, Lydon closed his weary eyes and grimaced. You're not making sense, Jocko. Of course he's not me. That's the point. Is it? Jocko questioned. Lydon furrowed his eyebrows. All I'm saying, sir, is that perhaps you can be yourself without being you, Jocko said with a hopeful smirk. Ladin opened his mouth to object, but there was something very sensible in what Jocko was saying. Jocko smiled weakly and headed to his quarters. It's something to think about, he said as he looked at his master one last time before saying, Good night, sir. Good night, Jocko, Ladin said softly as his friend left the room. For a long moment, he stared at the control panel of the rug, contemplating Jocko's words. Then, needing a new dose of fresh air to go with his fresh perspective, he disengaged the craft's inertial dampers and flew it once again out of its hangar on board the F-T. <laughs> Chapter 24 The rug whisked silently through the skies over Bag City, its driver lost in his own self-pity. It was a mistake coming back to Earth. That one simple thought had monopolized the entire stage of Ladin's mind all evening, and even into the early hours of the morning as his craft slid nimbly through the air. The city was silent and nearly dark beneath him. The midnight curfew was in effect, a controlling policy put in place by Malik after evicting the Tellarides from the system and leaving the Galactic Union. Even with Earth's impending reinstatement, Malik's tyranny was still very much alive. "'What are you doing here?' Lydon asked himself as he looked off into the starry horizon. His entire purpose for being back on Earth was in question. As much as he didn't want to admit it, Jocko was right. He needed a new perspective. Looking at the controls of his alien technology, Lydon activated the energy screen. The cockpit was instantaneously wrapped in a film-like blue light that quickly became transparent, With another tap, the seat sank down into the thin body of the flat glider followed by a gripping effect in the shoulders, lumbar, and seat portions of the chair. Once settled into the more aerodynamically reclined position and firmly secured, Ladin slid his two fingers up a lighted pathway that bisected the control panel display, and the rug shot across the night sky in a westward direction at an unearthly speed, sending him on a race against the rotation of the earth toward dusk. The miracle of the glider was a mystery thought up by the Karameinans. The entire planet could be circumnavigated in just under eight hours. The sensation of terrestrial flight that fast was exhilarating. Lydon had always wanted to see the western coast of Europa. He had heard once that the high cliffs of the Atlantic Isles were majestic and untouched by war. That was his destination, and he could be there in barely more than an hour. In a matter of minutes, the middle continent disappeared from under him. "'being replaced by the sprawling blackness of Europa Est. "'The land was a blackened mess, "'a demilitarized fallout zone from wars that took place centuries before, "'a land without life, lonely and dark, "'empty, in want of completeness, "'not unlike the state of Laden himself. Laden thought about his life and what it had become, "'and he realized he had been broken for so long "'that he didn't know what could fix him. "'There was always Sade, the closest thing he had to blood family.' but she was a mecca, incapable of unique, uncalculated thought or emotion. He thought of Jocko, an alien native of Karamina, and his only humanoid friend, a man found by the lamp and personality match to be his best friend, which he was. At times, Lydon considered that his relationship with Jocko was a derived calculation by a machine, making even his best friend a fabrication. He was surrounded by nothing organic, and that's what he craved, a seed to plant and bloom naturally, A plant with deep, flawed, but real roots. That's what he felt with Kimber. She was natural to him, like a flower that provided him life-giving air. He would do anything to have that all the time. Jocko was right. Jocko was always right. And now Ladin knew exactly what he needed to do. Over the blackness of Europa Est, just as the sky on the horizon began to grow lighter as he caught up with the setting sun... Laden slid down on the control panel and the glider came to a mid-air stop, hovering over the space between Black Nuclear Death and Lush Green Life. With manual controls in hand, he jerked the vehicle about and headed again toward Bag City. Chapter 25 "'Good morning, Mr. Basra,' said the security guard as he greeted Ladin at the main gate of the palace residence. "'Might I inquire the purpose of your visit?' he asked. Ladin's visit was unscheduled, so the inquiry was not a surprise. "'The princess,' Ladin said flatly, his thoughts beginning to consume him. "'I just need your identification, sir,' said the guard, and Ladin placed his hand on the entry scanner.' Thank you, Mr. Basra. Please head to the checkpoint at the end of the corridor. They will handle your request for visitation. Ladin moved past the guard, forgetting to say thank you. The desk was easy to spot, as it was the only thing between him and the living quarters of the royal family. No one was allowed beyond it without permission and the accompaniment of an armed guard. Good morning, Mr. Basra, greeted the head of reception. It hadn't taken the need-to-know staff very long to learn who Ladin was. Of course, his mask probably made it a simple distinction. I'm sorry, but the princess isn't taking any visitors today. She has a very full schedule. It's urgent that I speak with her, Lydon insisted. Tell her it's regarding trade business. I'm sorry, Mr. Basra. She said that no one is to disturb her, the receptionist repeated as she began to sweat slightly at the temples. She was lying. Not even for a matter so urgent that it could mean the breakdown of our entire agreement, Lydon blustered, seizing the opportunity to take advantage of the receptionist's lack of immoral fortitude. She began tapping a finger nervously on the counter. "'I demand to speak with the princess at once, or I promise you I'll go directly to the sultan himself. I have his personal comm code,' Laddin said, leaning over the counter at the now doe-eyed woman behind it. A guard suddenly appeared from behind a nearby wall. He carried a plasma rifle and a mean look on his face. Ladin was feeling bold, no matter how tenuously, so he rounded on the guard. "'Don't even think you're turning me away, Mr. Muscles!' I am an invited guest and pending partner of this world. I'm the reason you still have a job and an existence, so before you turn your weapon on me and push me out like a scavenging dog, I demand to speak to Princess Kimber. I will not move until I speak to her. Ladin's voice echoed off the walls. He sneered as the sound bounced back at him. The guard breathed deeply through his nose. Just as he was about to retort, a new voice blasted out from above them. What is going on? All three participants in the standoff turned in unison to see Princess Kimber on the landing at the top of the stairs that led to the royal quarters. "'Princess, I need to speak with you,' Ladin called with a sense of competitive urgency. Even from the twenty or so meters between them, Kimber was visibly disappointed to see Alan Bosra speaking to her. "'Our meeting isn't until tomorrow, Mr. Bosra. Can't it wait until then?' Her tone relayed a true sense of annoyance. "'No,' Ladin said. "'It needs to be now.' He tried hard not to slip out of his alien accent. Kimber sighed heavily and started down the stairs. ''Let him through,'' she said. Ladin walked through the checkpoint. He could feel the eyes of the guard staring him down like a bull about to charge. ''Thank you,'' Ladin said sharply. ''I don't have much time,'' Kimber said. ''In fact, I was just on my way to the port. You can follow me to the transit depot. I'm afraid my shuttle from there is privileged personnel only. That gives you about five minutes to tell me what's so urgent.'' I thought for sure the Tellarides would have dismantled the port along with the bubble, Ladin said, and Kimber stopped abruptly to look at him curiously. I didn't think Earth was interesting enough to Union types like you to know about the bubbles. Ladin froze, realizing his gaffe. Oh, well, I've been interested in Earth for a while, ever since your father's trade relations failed. I, uh, like to consider my investments thoroughly. He held his breath. Kimber eyed him again, then continued on her way toward the depot. Well, they did tear down the spaceport, and we were forced to rebuild in a hurry. We used the last of our pull with the Afrikaans and a few of the eastern clans to build a new one. We sold them on the notion that they would all benefit from it. That was before my father built the wall and shut the clans out. Smart, Ladin said, impressed with Malik's strategy. Make them pay for their own prison. Kimber walked at a near gallop, and Ladin had trouble keeping up as he skipped ahead a few times. "'Anyway, I needed to talk to you about something, "'and I'd hoped you'd keep it sort of, well, a secret,' Ladin said. "'I don't keep secrets,' Kimber replied as she crossed a Bag City highway "'that, in past years, would have normally been teeming with transports, "'but was virtually empty at mid-morning. "'Not even about secret trade relations with intergalactic gangsters?' "'Ladin said, and Kimber halted abruptly in her tracks. "'Okay, what?' she said with cold shortness. For a moment, they stared at each other, then Kimber looked away across the street, waiting for the signal to cross. "'You know what? It's not that big a deal. Perhaps we could get together over, say, dinner and talk?' He said, said, reconsidering the bold approach. He didn't want her to feel bad about keeping secrets from her father. He wanted her to like him. Kimber spun back around. "'Dinner?' she asked incredulously. "'Not like a date or anything, just business. I communicate better over food, more relaxed.' Kimber's gaze relaxed again. Yes, I've heard that about you xenon breathers. Eating relaxes you. Lydon felt a surge of victory. Kimber looked at the chronometer on the bottom side of her wrist. I have to go, Mr. Basra. We'll just have to talk tomorrow at our scheduled meeting, she said and began to cross the street. Wait, please, dinner, tonight. I would really feel more comfortable. It will be all business. Nothing personal like, what's your favorite color or is your navel in the front or the back? Kimber stopped in the middle of the crosswalk and looked back at Ladin again, her eyes betraying her steely posture and demeanor. Only the wind passed between them for a moment. Then something in her relented. Eighteen hundred hours. I'll be back at the port. Meet me at gate three. With stunned surprise, Ladin nodded. Okay, I'll be there, he said. Without responding, Kimber turned and continued on to the depot. As Ladin watched her walk away, he threw both hands in the air and fought the urge to cheer for himself. She agreed to a date? Zade said in complete disbelief. How did you manage that? We may be out of here sooner than I thought, Jocko said with uncharacteristic elation. I asked and she said yes, Ladin replied as he rifled through his closet on the FTL. Now help me figure out what to wear. What exactly are you planning to tell her on this date of yours? Zade asked with blatant inquisition. It's not a date, it's business. At least, that's what she thinks. And I hope to tell her who I am and pray she wants to leave with us. You're going to do it tonight? Zade blurted. You haven't established anything with her father. He's going to have every bounty hunter in the galaxy looking for you, she suggested, offering a sobering taste of reality. He won't be able to afford them. I'm his money, remember? That's hardly the point, Jocko interjected. You must... he faltered. What, Jocko? I must what? This was your idea, remember? Laddin shot back irritably, and Jocko simply stared with pained eyes. "'It doesn't matter,' Laden said. "'I'm telling her tonight.' "'How do you know she'll even want to go?' Zade asked. "'Her life is very different now. She's engaged. She's working toward bringing her planet back into the Galactic Union. The fact that her father knows nothing about it tells me that she wants to stay. She doesn't seem to be the abused damsel in distress you thought she was.' Laddin shot around to glare dangerously at Zade. "'No,' he replied. She wouldn't just suddenly become loyal to him and this planet in two years. I'm simply saying that based on everything you've told us, she is a different person, Ladin. She's hardened, with a thicker skin. She went to the Parade of Brides as a token for an investor of her own volition. That's not something an heir to a throne does for love. Zade was making too much sense and irritated Ladin. Just be smart about it, sir, Jago said. Use this time tonight to find out more about her. Don't just simply go in, mask off, eyes glistening with hope, just in case she doesn't want out. Laddin held onto a thin green coat in his closet and didn't look at his only two friends and proven advisors with whom he wanted so badly to disagree. He carefully mulled over their advice and came to the same conclusion over and over again. They were right. He had to play it smart and calculated. So that was chapters 22, 23, 24, and 25. I really hope you enjoyed that. Remember, um, you can get all of my books on Amazon. Feel free to go and download them um, in ebook format or get them in paperback. You can also find me on all social media at John D. Sperry on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. My website is johndsperry.com where you can get all the pertinent information about me and my books and remember if you want that free trial of audible go to audibletrial.com slash podcast. get that free trial get that free book and access for one month to all their content so that's it for this week remember be good don't do anything i wouldn't do and we'll see you next time This podcast is written, produced, and edited by me, John D. Sperry. Additional music and sound effects are provided by EpidemicSound.com. The John D. Sperry theme song is Abstraction by Talent Studio. This podcast is a John D. Sperry production, copyright 2020.